Chats from the Blog Cabin. Welcome to a brand new episode. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know, the show where I invite people virtually into the blog cabin to chat about life. And today we're chatting with Jamie. Jamie is one of the most highly sought after millennial and liability expert lawyers in Los Angeles. She talks about law, business, politics, COVID, LGBTQ+, women's rights, and race. So, Jamie, welcome to the show. I mean, that's a mouthful of all the stuff that you do. With. It is. It is. But these are, you know, the trendy topics of our time. And, you know, I want to be as well versed and in front of the issues as I possibly can. Thank you for having me on your show. You're fabulous. I just looked at your intro and I was like, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so let's tell before we start talking about what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, I'm a Southern California native, which is very rare. Most people you meet that are in Los Angeles with transplants. Uh, the daughter of a Baptist pastor who is also um, a disabled veteran. And my mom is from Riverside, California. Um, haven't always wanted to be a lawyer. I used to want to be a forensic scientist. And I just was drawn to the law because my father used to take me when I was a young kid and sit me in the back of the courtroom. Um, since being the lawyer, I've you know fought for the rights of my clients. I'm in the trenches with you. When you're going through it, I'm going through it. I feel you and I, I'm empathetic and that's kind of who I am. And I'm the mother of a toddler. He's uh, 19 months. His name Ooh. is Brian. And that's kind of where I'm at. And my practice is growing and I'm just excited to be here. Well, it's so funny that you were saying your mom was from Riverside. My daughter, I'm actually in North Carolina, but my daughter is actually going to get her graduate degree at the University of California at Riverside. So I know exactly where that's at. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So let's talk about, first of all, the unbalance of female roles, because that's the one of the most things that you're talking about right now is female roles. Nope, we lost her for a minute. So let's do a quick commercial and see what's going on with her. And here is a quick commercial for you. So you have a blog, but you want to take it to the next level and make some money. Join me as I teach a class in conjunction with Joy Worthy, where I will show you how to not only make money from your blog, but also how to diversify your income so that you can create multiple income streams like writing for other blogs, as well as how to open up multiple doors to make you money. Hope to see you virtually in the How to Make Money Blogging Workshop. Tickets are on sale now. Okay, we are waiting for Jamie to come back on, and here she is. We lost you for a moment. I, don't know what a <laughs> I was like, I'm connected to the Wi-Fi. Sorry, I don't know. Sorry, 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 sorry. So the question was, I'm sorry, I apologize. 
not a problem. It's the love technology. You gotta love it nowadays. You gotta love the it. question was about how women are kind of being forced out of the workplace. That's what you're kind of really working on right now, correct? Yeah, I'm working on a lot of issues regarding um, just the imbalance. You know, we are taking on so much. In addition to being uh, spouses, we are parents, we are um, the leaders in our company, we cook the meals, we take care of child caring, and then it's a child rearing. And at some point, you know, we want to do a little bit for ourselves. You know, if we want to fix our face, get our hair done, get our nails done, um, you know, maybe even just work out or read a book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's causing problems for these really high demanding careers. I know a lot of my friends, and I was one of them, you know, when you're stuck to a billable hour and you have to meet those billables, you know, how can you do that and balance it all? And I think one of the things that the pandemic forced us to do was uh, give women the opportunity to work from home and create mm-hmm. alternative schedules. And you can still be good at your craft and just have an alternative schedule and that's okay. So let's talk about, you know, cause obviously moms are having to like do virtual schooling and that's really tough. I mean, virtual schooling is tough already. I mean, schooling is tough already, but yeah. virtually and having to be there with your child every single solitary time that they're on the computer. I was listening yeah. to a podcast today and they were talking about one of her, one of the, podcast host sons had actually turned off the zoom because she wasn't right next to him and had gotten the scissors and cut his hair. So there you go. (laughs) Yeah. You know, um, with the, with the online schooling, I think that's, that's just part of the, the, the concern with the health issues. Um, what might be a good idea, I think for a lot of these schools to consider investing in is like virtual, you know, like maybe some AR, or some AI that I'm sorry, AI where there's like, you know, a, an assistant that's helping the kids learn better. I, I, you know, I don't know if the straight online learning is the best way for engagement, but I think you have to have engagement for kids to just stay focused and actually learn. Yeah. So let's talk about why did you, you already said at the very beginning that you wanted to be a lawyer after sitting back in the courtroom with your dad. When was that pivotal moment where you were like, okay, now I want to work with not only people dealing with COVID, but the LGBTQ plus community, plus women's rights, plus the race issues. When was that turning point? I've always kind of been engaged in those kind of civic social um, activities throughout my life. Um, You know, I was a a junior delegate to the Democratic Convention when I was 12. And, um, you know, I volunteered for Habitat for Humanity. And um, I worked on the Peace and Justice Commission when I was in undergrad and volunteer for the SCLC and NAACP, you name it. And I just have always wanted to fight for those who feel like they are being oppressed and for those who feel like they don't have a voice. And being able to have a platform where you can give somebody a voice is really a beautiful thing. Yeah, that is so true. Now, how can clients kind of find you out? Because I know a lot of people that are feel like they're discriminated against aren't necessarily the ones that can actually come up and say, hey, I need to fight this. They sort of kind of fade into the background because they know too many times that they're going to be discriminated against even more in the court system. Yeah, that's how you feel. But if you have a good advocate, you won't be. Um, you know, eventually the the wills of justice and on balance, they, they balance themselves out, whether you get it on the trial level or the appellate level. Um, and I'm very easy to find if you just want to run a scenario or a question by me and you just want a consult, you can find me at jamierightesq.com. That's J-A-M-I-E-W-R-I-G-H-T-E-S-Q.com. I'm also on all the social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, 
Instagram. You can find me on Facebook. I'm easy to find and just shoot me a question. So let's go back to the unbalance of the female role, because have yeah. you had to deal with a lot of females that are being wrongly terminated because they have to stay home with their kids because there's no other choice for childcare? Yeah, I've had had that. Those have been um, terminated because they're pregnant. Um, I have one case where the owner of a company uh, told my client, you know, there's not a good fit for you. And with your life changing, she was six months pregnant. You know, you probably just need to focus on being a mom. We'll try to figure out if there's something for you in the future, but you, you, there's no place for you, you here now. So there has been a lot of that. Um, you know, the problem with that is it, it has to be connected to a protected class. So, you know, if they just let you go and you're like, I think it's because I was a mom, there's going to have to be a little bit more than just you think or feel it was because you were a mom. And then the question is, was it a protected class? And, and being a mom is not a protected class. Like your pregnancy is a protected class. Being a woman, uh, you know, those kinds of things are protected classes. So you have to be very mindful of the reasons that it's being done. What are some of the ways that women are discriminated against that they can choose if they want to do litigation for wrongful termination? Um, so women, you know, is it gender? It's sexual harassment. Is it uh, sexual orientation? Is it, um, you know, threat? Um, I have one lady who was uh, sexually assaulted in the workplace by a supervisor. Um, it could be a variety of things, genetic identity, uh, genetic expression, um, your health, a, a, a perceived disability, an actual disability. There's a, a wide range of protected classes that you are prohibited from being discriminated against under the law. So what are the, some of the warning signs that people know if they're being discriminated against? Because sometimes people are like, oh, no, they're like that with everybody. Mm, yeah, that's a great question. Um, if you are being treated differently, um, meaning like if you're you're not getting full access to the benefits of your job. And so say you and I are both um, in an admin position and I am given um, a lot more duties. I'm worked harder than you. Or if they take duties away from me and you are both, we are both performing at the same level. If there's an unequal pay issue, meaning you're getting, you know, twenty dollars and I'm only getting fifteen, um, and you're male and I'm female, those are some of the telltale signs. Also, listen to language and you know mm -hmm. comments that are being made. Are they about your appearance? Are they about your life choices? You know, you have to think about those sorts of things. Now, I know a lot of people that are in the LGBTQ plus community plus. Uh, actually with race as well, they're, they're fearful sometimes because of the pushback of the discrimination as well. Like if they take a case to court, then they're like, oh, well, I'm going to get discriminated because it's going to be put on the newspaper or what else. And now I'm going to be out. I mean, they're out anyways, but they're going to be out in the community where more people are going to see what they're like and are, are fearful of the pushback. Yeah. You know, I, I, I would say to them, that's why you need a certain type of lawyer to really um, be cognizant of that. You know, very rarely do cases go to trial. Most of them settle, you know, in some form of mediation. But I think what, what it comes down to is the type of claim you're making. Um, is, is it that you lost your job because you were gay? Is it that you were um, treated differently? You know, we have to know a little bit more about the facts. It's kind of hard to say when we're in a vacuum doing some um, hypotheticals. It really is going to be fact specific, we would need to know a little bit more about the discrimination. So how has, how do you think the, the legal system has changed since mm -hmm. all the uprising about George Floyd's murder and everything else? Because I see a lot of change, but I don't see enough change with that. 
you know, sometimes the squeaky wheel moves a little slow and that's fair. I mean, look, the laws are there to prevent um, certain things. But what you have now is you have grand juries and you have district attorneys who are bringing these cases before a grand jury and getting indictments. And what you have is cases that are oftentimes being tried in the media before they ever get tried um, in a courtroom. Now, that it, that is unfair to the person who has been prosecuted is being prosecuted because it means that yeah they're not necessarily getting a fair trial. So what happens is um, we have to consider that the laws have always been there um, for people, but whether or not they are um, being fairly implemented is something different. So we're, let's just since you're a little one, just pop this little <laughs> thing. That was so cute and right on cue. Let's talk about how you balance your law career and being a mom because obviously yeah. that's going to happen sometimes. Yeah, I mean, as you can see, someone came and got him. We have a nanny here that <laughs> helps me during the day. Um, I I have a schedule that I really stick to, and then I have a schedule for him. So um, there are you know certain you know I I plan like a week or two in advance. I know you know in the mornings if certain mornings he has a class that I take him to. I know if I have a court call in the morning, if I have a trial that I know is coming up, I'm going to start preparing you know a month out so that I have sufficient time. The other thing and I is I do is sometimes I work past um I, I take two to you know two and a half hours in the evening to give him his dinner give him a bath and put him to sleep and then i work after that for several hours i also work some weekends um as often as i can to try to give myself a little cushion during the week but i also have virtual support i have a virtual assistant who uh, does all my pleadings and documents and formats for me and you know books my court call so it's about having a support system of people who help and then my mom and dad are great um you know they're both retired so they give me a lot of support but some days i look at my schedule and i'm like wow how did i do all, how did i do all that in one day <laughs> What do you do for yourself in the meantime? Because obviously if you're so busy trying to get your work life in and then your home life, how do you break away? Sometimes I have a glass of white wine. <laughs> uh, you know, exercise is really important. You know, you have to have a mind-body balance. So I, I try to get to the gym, even if it's just 30 minutes, doing some beach body workouts. Um, I do some reading. Um, I do watch Netflix. I tell you that, especially on the weekends when I'm free. I, I, my son is asleep. I watch Netflix. That's how I break away. It's just basically give your mind a little bit of a rest as well. It needs a rest so you can recharge and it needs a rest so you can just get some creative juices sometimes flowing. So what's your favorite thing to watch on Netflix? I, I just recently finished Dirty John. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I watched Dirty John. It's a uh, it was a very interesting um, series. Uh, Who killed Sarah? It's I assuming there's going to be a part three. So I just I did part two. I finished that two weeks ago. And then I watched the documentaries about you know ancient cultures and you know animals. I like to that's kind of like trivia stuff that I like to learn about. So those are the things that I watch primarily. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I've heard of Dirty John because that's based on a true story. Are the rest of them based on the yes. true story as well? Oh, wow. Based on a true story. Mm -hmm. So how do you go from being in one client who has one issue and then you go and you separate and you go to the next client because all your clients are from all different walks of life? 
Yeah. Uh, you just have to be a little bit of a chameleon and you have to know what their concerns are, their issues are. You have to be able to gauge up front and, and you make a personal connection to them. I think that's important for me. I make personal connections with my clients. You know, I want to know about you, you know, within reason, I don't invade your privacy unless you want to tell me so that, that we can feel like we have, um, you feel supported. Because a lot of times, especially when you're dealing with individuals, their biggest issue is that they don't feel supported. Mm. So, for instance, if you have one client that you have a great approach with and it works with, but sometimes the second client that approach doesn't work, you have to kind of navigate the way to approach them as well. Yeah, you have to you have to adjust. You just have to adjust based on the needs of the individual. So let's talk about some of your mom hacks, because that's one of the things that you were talking about as well. So let's what are some of your mom hacks? Well, first mom hack is I plan my son's clothes in advance. So his clothes are set out for the next morning. Um, I plan his meals in advance. That's really important. Um, I have a schedule for the nanny. Um, I know what my schedule is in advance if I'm going to need to leave the house for some reason or the other. Um, one of the things that I've done is I, I signed my, my son up for um, a program so he can go like do stretching. I mean, because he's a little guy, he's a toddler, right? Mm -hmm. but he can, like move his body and like interact with other kids and uh, support. Everything is support. You know, um, whether it be, you know, having the the my, my parents or having the recurring Huggies shipment that comes to my house every month. <laughs> ship. So he's not potty trained just yet. Obviously, he's 19 months, uh, but he's getting there. He's now at the point where he's telling me when he goes to the bathroom. Uh, but just having that, those small things that are kind of built in. The other thing, Instacart saves me because I cannot be in the grocery store for two hours trying to shop and meal planning. Uh, I meal plan and meal planning is great. Instacart. We don't have that here yet because I'm in a very mm -hmm. rural part of North Carolina, but mm -hmm. I've heard people live and die by Instacart. Oh my God. And the people I get are so great. They message me and they're like, they don't have this. Would you like this? And they send me a picture. I'm like, yes. And then they change it. It's, it is excellent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's talk about how you navigated when you were pregnant working and then once you had the newborn and now he's a toddler it's different mm -hmm. in each stage of life correct yeah you know towards the end of my pregnancy let's see i i you know going into pregnancy i was 135 and at the end of my pregnancy i was 187 pounds so Ooh. it was different because i've never had that much weight um what i had was i bought one of those desks to put in my bed because i was <laughs> and so my desk would be in my bed my computer and then i had a bed that lifted so i would work from the bed um and then i slowed down what i did was i worked a lot up until the ninth month and i saved a lot of money and so i was able to um be okay to take some time off and then how my schedule worked was i sent notices to all the opposing counsels in my in my cases letting them know i was going to be unavailable because i took the first um three months after my son was born to really bond with him i didn't work a whole whole lot i still worked some but not a lot um, but for the most part i was i was completely unavailable so how did that how was that re people responded to that because a lot of people are like oh, she's too busy having a baby she's got baby brain she's got pregnancy brain yeah most people were really considerate um and by the time i i really got back to work which is probably in february i mean and you do have baby brain and you're exhausted and you have emotions you got all kind of stuff you know by the time i got back to work which probably was like february um it was i was ready um but i i, I would say if you can you know, there's some great companies out there that have, you know, disability insurance. It, you know, I had, a, um, I had some pregnancy-related um, 
health challenges. And so, um, you know, my doctor was like, what are you going to do? And we were able to figure it out so that I, I you know, if I, I didn't, I couldn't work. So I didn't. So let's talk about you actually have your own law firm. So what is that like having your own law firm and being responsible for other people's salaries? It, well, it's great. So again, right now I don't have any staff that's full-time for myself. I use virtual people. So um, I pay the company and the company takes care of that. Um, I am looking to hire somebody in the next 30 days. So I'm going to use an online system that's going to do all the payroll taxes, keep their time and everything. And if, for the most part, thanks to the pandemic, everything's remote. So, you know, I won't, you know, I figure if you're an adult and you're, uh, you've been doing something for a while, I don't need to micromanage you as long as I get the work product that I need and I can get it done. Um, but right now it's, it's mostly about managing the cases and the clients and I have a lot of them. So it's just about managing their expectations, making sure I'm communicating to them. You know, when they ask me for an update, I try to respond within three days. That's, you know, my, my goal. And I always make it a point to try to respond the same day if I can. So let's talk about your experience with the virtual, because I know a lot of people are thinking of hiring virtual assistants, but they're not really sure where to go to, how to go through that. And since you've yeah. had the experience on that, and a lot of people are working virtually yeah. from home now. So let's talk it's about great. that. I use a company. I pay them a flat rate for, I think it's 15 or 20 hours a month. I mean, that's probably about the time I need um, for them to do things for me because I'm, I'm pretty self-sufficient and I, I have the templates built in that I use for myself. So it's been great. Um, just, you know, the, the company takes care of literally everything. So what did you decide to take this being a lawyer and then take it on the road to speaking as well? Because basically in the courtroom, you're kind of already on the speaking platform. So why did you decide to take the road to into speaking? I kept getting asked, what's your opinion about this? What's your opinion about that? You know, and then it just ended up that I ended up on KTLA and NBC and, uh, you know, other stations just because I was being asked. And um, I like to lend my voice if I can give some people some information that can be helpful to them. I'm always willing to do it. So what's the number one question that you get asked? How do you do all the things that you do? <laughs> how are you doing all this? And, you know, how do you find the time? And I just tell them, you know, I do say no. And I say no quite often. Um, if I can't do it, I can't do it. Um, if I can, I can. And that's kind of how I run my life. You know, it's, um, you know, I try my best to give uh, where I can. And if I can't do it, I just tell people no. So when you say no, do you ever have that guilt? Because I know a lot of women have the guilt factor where they're like, oh, I, I can't I can't do this, uh, but maybe I should. And you just shook no. your head and said no. <laughs> no, I used to and I get that. But the more often you say no, the easier it gets. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Honestly, because you have to have some you have to practice self-care. You also have to have some self-preservation. Um, and in order to do that, you have to say no. Because there's that mom guilt all the time, like you, you should be working, but then you should be home with the kids and then you should be out with your husband or your significant other or your partner or whatever. So you don't have any of that guilt either? No, sometimes when I'm not with my son, but I, there's no, there's no book on parenting, right? There's no book on being a spouse. There's no book on any of this stuff. And so you have to kind of like do a little bit of trial and error. And so I actually spend a lot of time with my son because I work from home. And when I'm not here, you know, I'm, I'm he understands that, I think. Um, and then when I come home, he's like, Mama, you know, and I also give him his breakfast 
because um, he's up by seven and I'm usually already up and I tend to give him his dinner and give him a bath and, you know, I give him a lot of attention and a lot of love. So I think it's okay. And he, you know, he knows that mama was here. I love that because a lot of moms struggle with mom guilt and being having, especially when they had to go off to work and not being there enough time. Yeah. Yeah. I luckily, I, I was fortunate and blessed to be able to structure my life to where I can work from home. And I do get it because my mom had some guilt with my brother because she went to back to work after four months and had to leave him. And so um, lucky for me, I, I haven't had to. So what would you, what advice would you give to moms that may have to deal with the mom guilt and may have to be like, oh my gosh, I, I'm leaving my baby and they're crying and they're screaming. What advice would you go. give? I would give them the advice that you can do this. You are amazing. You are, you are mom. You are giver of life. And don't let anybody shame you into anything else. And just know that once you go back and pick up that little one, you're gonna you're you're going to be so much happier because you will have missed them, and they know you love them. And as they get older, they'll see that mom had to do what she had to do to give me the best life that she could. Oh, I love that. You were like so well versed. I was like, what's the, what's been the toughest since you're a lawyer? What's been the toughest case that you've had to kind of you know represent someone? Um. I've had a God, I've had a lot of them, but I would probably say the one that is the the harshest that I had was probably about four years ago. I had a really aggressive opposing counsel who called me names. I never even called names. That's unusual. And um, he was just really aggressive with me. And um, it was an it was an entity client and five individuals, so six total mm -hmm. plus entity. And we went to trial on that case and we won and we kicked butt. And at the end of it, that same opposing counsel came and shook my hand and said, you know what, you 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 beat me fair and square. And I was like, don't shake my hand, you jerk. But, you know, I took it anyway in good faith and said, I appreciate that, you know. So um, how do you keep your cool, though? Because you just said that they attacked you, you know, they called you names. How do you keep your cool, especially in court and stuff like that? Yeah, you know, I, I, he didn't call me names in court. It was in emails. Um, and he called me a chippy and a moron and an idiot and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it's okay to lose your pool as long as it's not in front of um, them, the person who's calling you the name. There were times in the evening where I just broke down because I was so frustrated. But I gave myself that humanity to feel those things, right? And then I fixed my face, picked myself back up and said, you've got this. And this is a test of your willpower and he is trying to throw you off and don't you forget a girl because you got this so that's how i handled it you seem like you have a lot of self-confidence and a lot of confidence and self-esteem like nobody's going to push me down but what about the women our men too that struggled with that that were like that one name can just do them a downward spiral self-talk self-talk you know what for me i'm you know i'm my faith is important to me i pray a lot i talk to god you know i i fast and you know i read my scripture for me that's what's important to me but if that's not that's not your life hack or that's not what you you strive to self-talk you know self-improvement um self-encouragement books you know sticky notes around your house that you know say positive reinforcing things and then get yourself into a community of people that are willing to inspire you and encourage you to be your best self that's important have people that speak life into you don't be around a bunch of people that don't speak life sometimes you need someone to speak life into you and tell you you know what melissa you're amazing you know what melissa you're a badass you know what melissa you look great today your lipstick is popping your hair is popping whatever you need find somebody to speak life into you i love that so when you're in 
in the um, courtroom, have you ever felt like, now you probably haven't felt like this, but have people made you feel less than when you're in the courtroom because number one, you're a woman, number yeah, two, you're a woman of color and, you know, and number three, because of the clients that you represent. Absolutely. I've walked in and I've been mistaken for the court reporter. Um, I've walked in, they've asked me where the lawyer is and I'm like, you're looking at her. And then they look at me confused, especially when I was a much younger lawyer. Uh, I mean, I'm still a younger lawyer. I'm under 40, um, but I'm more seasoned in the craft now. Um, that was very intimidating. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I've had some of that. Oh, I've been, you know, I get a lot of this. I've been doing this 20 years. I've been doing this 30 years. And I was like, just because you've been doing something for 20 years does not mean anything at all. Mm -hmm. That is so true. So how do you handle that? Do you just kind of decompartmentalize it and say, you know what, that's them. That's not me. And just, yeah. You do. And, and it's ignorance, you know, it's ignorance for you or some, anyone to believe that, you know, you know, people believe based on look that you can't be the lawyer. Um, they have a perception of what a lawyer looks like, acts like, talks like, and, 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 and should do. And, you know, early on in my practice and early on in the profession, I did a lot of, you know, reforming to try to fit people's image of me. And, you know, at a certain point I said, you know what, I am unhappy doing this. I just have to be me within reason. I mean, obviously I'm not going to go in there in Daisy Dukes and Halter Top, but, you know, I'm going to go in there in my, my suit. And, but, you know, if I like, you know, my hair being a light color, I'm going to wear my light colored hair. I love that. So at what point did you decide, because you just said that you tried to conform to what people thought you were, what was yeah. the turning point there? I was really unhappy. Um, I had probably reformed myself for like the 10th time and I was still getting complaints. And I said to myself, I think no matter what, someone's going to have a right. And so I have to find a balance here with what's going to make me happy being Jamie and how I present myself as an attorney. So what, what were some of the complaints? Cause honestly, I see you're so well-spoken and you're <laughs> like, I can imagine you in front of a courtroom, just like boom, 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 defending your clients yeah. or even yeah. in your writing as well. It, what, it, was yeah. some, what were some of the it, complaints? Was it mainly appearance? Yeah, it was all appearance mainly. You know, I remember I had on a lime green sweater and it was in the office and it was a lime green sweater, uh, you know, a white button up shirt. And I had on um, slacks, like black slacks. And one of the partners made a statement like, oh, Jamie's wearing enough color for all of us. And I was just kind of like, really? Or lawyers don't wear, you know, I think my hair was like a dark burgundy. Lawyers don't wear burgundy hair. Or why are you wearing that lipstick? Or why are you doing this? And I think I had a comment once, somebody I was working with that like my soap that I bathed in was too strong. Wow. I was like, dial, dial soap is too strong? I'm going to take a bath. I don't, you know, I don't know what you guys got going over here, but I'm going to take a bath. Do you think it's be they had to find something wrong because you were doing such a great job? That's probably so. A little insecurity, a little jealousy, because, you know, I walk with my head held high. And I actually got that feedback once. This guy told me, he said, the problem is you walk with your head held high, your shoulders are back, and you're very um, strong in your presence. And I was like, that is incredible that that makes people feel you know, intimidated or overwhelmed. Wow. I just, I can't even imagine anybody, you being, were you ever intimidated by anyone? Well, you said you were because you tried to conform yourself to what they thought you should be. 
whole yeah, thing. everybody's intimidated by something. You know, you, you don't know what you don't know. And sometimes that can be intimidating. You know, before I ever tried a case, it was very intimidating. But then once I got there, I was like, oh, that's it. You know, the other thing is, is when you witness people in your profession that suck, it gives you a whole new level of confidence. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is so funny. But let's talk about the first time since you brought it up, the first time you tried a case. How were you feeling? What and as to opposed to what you do now when you go in the courtroom? I was petrified. Okay. Luckily, I was there with another senior lawyer who knew it and he like he was really good about insulating me, but I was petrified. But that was only on the first two days. And I remember getting up to do my first examination of a witness. And, and I remember like tabbing everything, highlighting it and like lost my place and like started like scrambling, but it was, I did it with ease. And so the jury didn't realize it, but I lost my place on my question. And then I was like, okay. And then I remember my question, I went right back to examining the witness, but it was, it was, it was unnerving. And now you could probably just walk in the class in the classroom, the courtroom, like you own it. I walk into the courtroom, everything is on a tablet. It's fine. I don't have all the pages and paper. I know exactly where I'm going. And if I miss a step, I the beat keeps going and I keep going too. So let's take a for instance, someone's coming to you and they want you to represent them. Do you first of all you do like a I know a consultation, right? And then let's yeah. talk about the steps from the consultation onward. I do a conflict check because you have to make sure that there's no conflict between them and any of your other clients or previous clients, or if not, you'll have to get a waiver. Um, for there, I do a little background research. I definitely do searches on the clients because oftentimes, you know, clients aren't honest all the time. Mm -hmm. So I do a little research on the client. And then from there, I get them a retainer agreement, which spells out, you know, how I'm going to be paid. If it's a contingency case, the percentage I'm taking on the back end. If it's an hourly case, how much I'm charging by the hour, um, you know, and all the standard stuff that has to be in your, um, retainer agreement and then from there we move forward and it just depends on the type of case so it's basically from a case to case but i did not know that lawyers do the background on I their do. clients as well not everyone does i do um it's for security purposes um it's also for just to make sure that the person is who they say they are because what you don't want to do is get yourself embroiled in a case and uh you realize that the person is being less than forthright about things that could um, be an ethical concern about you for you in the future. Oh, I love that. And so it's not like none of the courtroom drama where you're out there and something comes up like on TV, it's like, oh, so-and-so, oh, they had an affair with so-and-so. You know how that drama goes. You, you want to make sure there's no surprises. Yeah, I don't do all, I mean, that sometimes I am still surprised, but I do my best to be thorough on the front end. You know what I mean? Well, I just love that. So. Here you are, your mom, busy mom, because that little one is back there and I love to laugh. Enjoy it. I will say enjoy it because they grow up way too fast. Way too I fast. Know, I know, I know, I know. But where do you see yourself in the future? Do you see yourself getting away from law and just kind of doing more speaking engagement? Or I, I, you know, there may be Judge Wright in the future. <laughs> There may be uh, maybe assembly person or senator, right? You know, the, the world is an open oyster. I, you know, I've always had a love and a taste for politics, but I also love the idea of being on the bench because I'd like to be a fair judge. I'll be honest, you know, people don't like to attack the judiciary, but there's judicial councils that review judges for bias and fairness all the time. And you do mm -hmm. get those judges who, you know, are biased on some things. So there's options out there, but right now I'm just enjoying the space I'm in with my cases doing things like this, talking to people like you, Melissa, and um, living life to the fullest. 
So um, what would you tell maybe a little girl that's growing up and is thinking about becoming a lawyer, but they're so weighed down and people have told them they can't do it? You can do, well, first of all, I tell her she can do all things through Christ with strength and serve. That's my motto. But then I would tell her, I would tell her that you can be exactly who you want to be and get away from those who are telling you you can't and find a support system. And if it means you calling me or sending me an email and I reinforce you, then I'm happy to do that. So how do, how, cause sometimes the support system is like their parents and stuff that are telling them they can't do stuff. Okay. So how would you navigate that to kind of like, oh, okay, my parents are telling me I can't do this, but I really want to do this. No, find a teacher, find a mentor. Um, see if your parents will let you join an organization or a sports group or something that will support you. Uh, I, I'm careful not to overstep anybody's mama or daddy. That's that's a terrain you don't want to ever go down. Okay. But uh, if it's possible, if you see, if you can see it, you can achieve it. I love that. Mm -hmm. Now, is there one last nugget because our time is almost up um, that you want to share with everybody? Um you know, in an ever-changing world, don't get lost in the shuffle of social media and be so hard trying to identify as somebody else that you lose sight of yourself. Because the best person in any career path is the person that gives their authentic self. So just be true to yourself. And I think you are totally being true to yourself. And I love the fact that you have not even once stopped and look down at your son while we're having a conversation. I mean, you're pretty much channeled. I would have been all over the place, like, get him out of here. Or, you know, I would have been really upset, but you were like- I was just trying to be present. It's my fault for leaving the door open over here. I should have closed it, but I knew what would have happened next is he would have been banging on the door. So it's just better for him to run in here. He'll run out back to the nanny when he gets ready to. <laughs> but see, this is what it's all about. We're talking about life. We're talking about real life. And real life real actually life. happens. It, it happens and it is what it is, right? Yeah. So real quick, now that we've just talked about that, how did you navigate? Did you always work at home or working at home with a little one now? Um, I've, um, I've been working at home since probably 2017 and um, it, it's been fine. And working home with a little one is fine. Usually, um, you know, when I, when I have to be like, say on a court call or a court zoom, what I simply do is I just, uh, he, I do close the door. Um, in situations like this, obviously the door is open, so he's running in and out. And so you kind of like compartmentalize, okay, I'm on a court call. I can't have a kid come running in back. Exactly. But, for me, but for me, I'd love that. That little cute face, it was the cutest thing ever. So that was not a big deal for me at all. It's great. He's the light of my life and he really is my heartbeat. So he makes me smile sometimes when the days are dreary. So now, did your attitude toward law change once you became a mom? It did. I became more patient. Mm. Yeah, more patient. Yeah, I love that. So, Jamie, yeah. I want to thank you so much for coming thank on and you. sharing your life and sharing your cutie with us as well. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Thank you for your time, Melissa. This has been great. And tell people where they can find you at again. Oh, yeah. Uh, social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, Jamie Wright. And then my website is jamierightesq.com. So J-A-M-I-E-W-R-I-G-H-T-E-S-Q.com. All right. And Jamie, thank you once again. And guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog. Have a thank blessed you. day, guys. Thanks. Chats from the blog cabin.
subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Wow, I really hope you really enjoyed this episode with Jamie. Um, she has got it going on. And if you really want to go and look over on YouTube, you can see her cute little boy coming in and out of the shot. You can hear him chatting. Um, as she's chatting, he's like giving his opinion. And I thought it was really cute because honestly, that was the whole point. I don't edit these episodes because I want real life to happen. I want people to realize, hey, you know what? Time's tough when you're working at home and you're trying to do an interview and your kid's coming through or, you know, it's just life. It's just real life. And that's the whole point is I want things to be real. So I want to thank you so much for being part of the Chats in the Blog Cabin family. Thank you so much for listening. Please click like, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And thank you so much. And most importantly, have a blessed day. And remember, keep chatting 